Good morning, and if I can gather you back together. We're just giving ourselves a little bit extra time there this morning. Um, we've had some exciting technology issues. So, friends on the live stream, um, we are sorry that there is no live stream at all. But hopefully later on, friends on the live stream, you'll be able to watch a recording. And uh, that will... Um, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. I love technology. Do you know that I really love technology, even when it misbehaves and does heaps and heaps of bad things for us. I really like technology still, and I think it's a tool that it's worth us using despite all the struggles. My name's Matt. Uh, I'm one of the leaders here at Hope City, and it's my privilege this morning to speak to us together from the Bible. Now, it was the 26th of February this year that we started into Jesus's famous set of teaching often called the Sermon on the Mount. So it has taken us six whole months to get from one end of that to the other. The three chapters it takes up in Matthew's gospel, Matthew's biography of Jesus in the Bible, that's quite a while. But the reason we took it slow was because there was so much packed in. So many things that we wanted to talk about and think about together. So much to consider that Jesus is teaching us. Today, we come to the closing moment. Drama, drum roll. As Joe's already signposted, today's gathering is going to have quite a different shape as a result. And we want to make sure we all have the chance not just to listen and think about what Jesus has said, but to actually go about doing it as well. And a really sensible way to finish this block of teaching, as it turns out, because that is exactly the warning Jesus gives to his hearers as he finishes up. Don't just listen to these words, but put them into practice. So let's begin together by listening to the end of this block of Jesus' teaching. Liz is going to read for us this morning, and we're in Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 24. That is page 972 in our Bibles. Matthew 7, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Thanks, Liz. Now, we're going to zoom out again. We're going to consider the whole of Jesus' teaching, like Joe said earlier. But before we do, we're going to work through this last section and look at how Jesus lands the plane here as he finishes. See, Jesus draws this final dividing line at the end of his teaching between two builders, between a wise one and uh, a foolish one. And the first thing we need to see is who Jesus' line divides because, as it turns out, the wise and the foolish builders both have rather a lot in common. First up, both hear his words. Did you see that? In verse 24, everyone who hears these words of mine on the one side, then on the other side, exactly the same. In verse 26, everyone who hears these words of mine. Hearing Jesus' teaching is the common ground. Jesus divides everyone who hears his teaching 
He divides them into wise and foolish. Both hear Jesus' words. That's not what divides them. That's not what determines at the end of this picture whether they'll stand or whether they'll fall. Second, both of them are building uh, a house. And Jesus doesn't really make any comment on the square footage or the number of bedrooms. doesn't call out anything about the design or architectural choices or materials they're using doesn't say any of that makes the difference between standing and falling. Jesus is obviously talking about our lives here, and perhaps there's something in the way he doesn't make a big deal about one house was bigger or one builder was richer or anything like that. They both just lived a life. As far as outside appearances go, they looked pretty similar, had quite a lot in common. Both are building a house. It's not what divides them. It's not what determines whether they stand or fall. Both face a storm. Jesus uses almost exactly the same words to describe the storm both builders are facing. They're so similar, our translation chooses to use exactly the same ones. Now, what's Jesus saying to us there? What does this storm represent? Is Jesus saying every life has similar trials? Every life has almost identical difficulties and struggles? Is that what the storm represents? Well, I don't think so. I don't think that describes reality very well. I know here... Many of you face trials that would dwarf anything I know about in my life. So if the storms maybe not trials in this life because it's so consistent across the two builders, what could it represent? Maybe persecution? Now, persecution is something that Jesus has talked about quite a lot in this block of teaching. Is Jesus saying here all of his followers are going to face similar persecutions. Well, again, that doesn't add up very well. That doesn't explain or describe reality. Here we might face an unkind word. Around the world, for our brothers and sisters, it's life and death. So what do we, what do we think the storm is? I think we have to understand the, the common storm that Jesus is speaking about here is what Jesus called that day in the teaching that we looked at last week, in the words Jesus spoke immediately before today's passage. That day at the end of life when some will enter the kingdom of heaven and some will be turned away by Jesus himself, right? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. That day, that day is a storm that every builder, every single one of us is one day going to face. And that's where the similarities end, right? Both here, both live, both die, but only one stands and one falls. And the difference is in what they build their life on, on the foundation of their life. And Jesus underlines that for us as he's teaching, right? It did not fall because. Why? Because it had its foundations on the rock. Both houses looked fine until the storm came. Foundations might not seem that important. They might not seem to matter that much, not until the storm, but they'll be revealed on that day when it comes. That's the key difference Jesus is pointing us to here. Not, not what you've heard, not even what you face in this life, not even what you face on that day to come, but what you do with these words of mine, as Jesus puts it. Do they put them into practice? Literally, do they do them? That's the language underneath. Do you do these things? Or do they not put them into practice? That's the, that's the dividing line. It's a bit Yoda, isn't it? Do or do not. Only two sides. Nowhere at all in between. That's the different foundation. 
That's the different thing you can build your life on. That's the thing that will stand through the storm which is coming for us. You want your life to stand through the storm? Of course, we want our lives to stand. So what are we meant to do to see them stand? We're meant to lay a different foundation. Jesus says, don't just hear my words. He says, do them. Jesus is clear. You got to give him that, right? He is clear here. There really is not much room for doubt or confusion about what Jesus wants to happen. He is all too clear. He's uncomfortably clear. We've, we've heard all he has to say. Now, Jesus' question, the way he chooses to land the plane and finish the whole thing is, are you going to do it? Simply whether you're going to do it or not. Now, when Jesus finishes teaching here, the next thing we read, I bolted in with this passage because I think it's important. We read that people are amazed. They're amazed at his teaching, verse 28. Now, it's pretty common for people today to say, Jesus taught a lot of nice stuff. He had some good ideas. It's great moral teaching that you'd find in the Sermon on the Mount. It all just got a bit tangled up with lots of stuff that Jesus never really intended, invented later. That's what people would tell you. But here's my problem with that. If the Sermon on the Mount is just good moral teaching, right? If it is, just Jesus telling us how great it would be if we were nice to each other for a change, as Douglas Adams put it in the Hitchhiker's Guide, is that really so amazing? Is that really going to stun a crowd? Have them gape. Be nice, Jesus says. Everyone says, wow, never would have thought of that. Thanks. I don't think that would amaze anyone at all. And I don't think that's a fair characterization of the Sermon on the Mount. Be nice is not the central instruction. Do you know why they're amazed? We read about why they're amazed. They're amazed because he taught as one who had authority. He taught as one who had authority. He speaks, like it or not, as if he is, in fact, the Lord, the one who people should hear and obey, the one who will either welcome people to heaven or turn them away. That's who he's speaking as here. When he speaks, he equates his words with God's words. The last two sections we read, do the will of my Father in heaven, hear my words and obey them. He's paralleling the will of my Father in heaven with Jesus' own words. If I had to sum up Jesus' teaching in two words, it's not be nice, it is obey me. Obey me because the Lord speaks. Six times in this passage we heard Jesus say, you heard it said, but I say unto you. Six times he says, truly I tell you. Jesus is speaking as Lord through this teaching. This is not go and be nice. He speaks to us as God, and he speaks to us expecting us to obey. And that's the point he rubs in in this final picture of the two builders. That's where Jesus chooses to land the plane on this whole block of teaching. He doesn't say, so you heard everything I had to say. Now go away and be nicer. Right? He chooses to finish this with do it. But wait, you might be thinking, isn't like Christianity all about grace? Isn't it all about getting what we don't deserve? Not about works, not about earning something by our own good behavior and excellent performance. How can Jesus put so much emphasis on doing then? How can that be his final word on the matter? To declare obedience as what will determine whether we stand or fall on that day. Well, I mean, if you've been with us through these last months, you'll know 
that we framed and seen all of this teaching as Jesus' blueprint for his kingdom of transformed hearts. And that is the key. That's how all of this fits together. Doing what Jesus commands, the, the righteousness that exceeds that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, as Jesus described it way back, as we've seen it again and again, that righteousness is an inside-out righteousness, a doing and obedience, yes, but one that can only come from a God-transformed heart. Grace is the root, right? In His grace, God transforms our hearts. Obedience is the fruit, evidence, not earning it. So we're talking about an, an inside-out righteousness that's impossible without God's gracious transformation. Now, taking that on board, hearing what Jesus has said to us, what we're going to do this morning is spend the rest of our time focused on trying to get specific about a step to take, about an area to work on towards not just hearing Jesus' words, but doing them, but putting them into practice. But that only makes sense as seeing that as trying to bear the fruit of God's gracious root. So if you don't have that root, if you haven't asked God to transform your heart, don't get ahead of yourself and start trying for fruit with no root. Hear Jesus' warning about the coming storm. You should hear that warning. Hear how obedience is critical and do business with God, asking for the heart that will obey from the inside out. But if you do have that root, and, and here's the thing we need to know. We saw this a few weeks back. If you've asked God for this heart, you do have it. Remember what Jesus taught us in Matthew 7, 7 and 8. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you for everyone who asks, receives. There is no question about it. The prayer for the transformed heart is the prayer that is always answered. So if you've asked for it, you have it. It's time to fertilize, time to water that root and bear some fruit. Now, we've been thinking about the best way to get practical, and the team has done a brilliant job of putting together these wonderful handouts that you should be able to find one of near you. And these summarize Jesus' teaching as we've been working through it for the last six months. Um, there's a digital version uh, in the app, and if we ever get our stream back together, then we'll post a link to that in there too. Um, and uh, we've covered a lot of ground, right? If you open this up, you can see how much ground we covered. Jesus said a lot of things. He gave us a lot to think about. There's so much here, this can feel pretty overwhelming. And we don't think the right answer is to try and take it all on at once. We think the right answer, rather than going after everything and getting completely swamped, is that we make time for each one of us to pick one thing, one area that particularly spoke to us or challenged us or resonated with us. And then think with that one area about some practical next steps that are related to doing it, not just hearing what Jesus has said. So uh, you can see on the handouts there, there, lovely picture of the handouts. Uh, we've got this uh, cover. Sermon on the Mount reminds us that this is for transformed hearts. This is not possible without that transformed heart. And then if you open up that first door, you get the foundations. That's where we understand it to talk about a transformed heart, explains how that fits in. And then if you open it up, you get all the different topics Jesus has covered, which are these words of mine that Jesus is speaking to us about today. Heard these words of mine, 
put them into practice. And then uh, on the back, there's a little space for us to respond, or there's a, a fill-in note uh, in the app if you want to do that digitally. Now, hopefully, if you've been with us through the last month, these summaries are going to help you link back and think back to all the different things we've been studying together. If you've only just joined us, or if you joined us partway through, don't worry, you can just pick somewhere to start from the things you've heard. If this is your very first Sunday, you can still join in. We'd encourage you to think, to pray, to see what the Spirit draws you to as we begin to look for a particular place to put our focus in this next season. Now, the references for each passage are in the handout, so you can find them. We're going to take time to prayerfully and thoughtfully work through this together in the remainder of our time together. But as we begin that, I want to pray because we know the only doing that can happen here is a doing independence on the God who transforms hearts. So I'm going to pray, and then Joe will take us forward. Lord God, Jesus is sometimes um, clearer than we would like. Here he's asking us for something that seems hard, perhaps impossible, and yet something that we believe, as we've read in studies, is the fruit of the transformation that you graciously work on our hearts when we ask. Now, for anyone here who doesn't yet have that transformed heart, I pray that they would speak to you and that you would answer that prayer like you always do. For those of us who know you as Savior, Lord, may we also know you as Lord. Work on our hearts to enable us to do what you say, to put into practice these things. God, I pray for your guidance now, that your spirit will be at work on each one, pointing us to and leading us to something that is your next step for us. God, we do all this. Help us to remember the cross, to remember Jesus' grace. And yet, we do all of this hearing his call to put these words into practice. Help us not overbalance on either side. Help us today. Amen. Thank you, Matt.